Today on the Almond Journey podcast. In this industry or anywhere, building relationships and networking, it's extremely important. You know, you've got to expand your horizons and learn new things and meet new people. And so I figured, you know, this is my opportunity and I should take it and run with it. So that's what we did. We're talking fertilizer, farming, and the Almond Leadership Program with Kyle McClintock. to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their communities, and advance the almond industry. Today, we're going back down south on 99 to Bakersfield, California, this time visiting with Kyle McClintock. Kyle is the Vice President and General Manager of San Joaquin Fertilizer, and he's also an almond farmer at IB Farming, his family's operation. On the fertilizer side, they specialize in crop fertility recommendations and foliar nutrients, as well as a couple of proprietary liquid soil amendments. Kyle's also a current participant in the Almond Leadership Program, and we're going to share a little bit about his experiences with that later in today's episode. First, though, I want to ask Kyle a little bit about crop fertility in almonds, the current situation with fertilizer prices, and what changes he's seen in his 11 years in both the fertilizer and farming businesses. I know what it's like to be on one side of the desk and try to come in and discuss with a grower what we can do to help them out and help their operation. And then I also know what it's like to be behind that desk as the farmer and make those decisions on what is best for myself and my operation and, and how we optimize things. So gives me a pretty cool perspective about the whole thing. So I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that's great. And and we'll definitely talk about kind of both sides of the desk here today. And let's start maybe with the farming side. So could you just introduce us to IB Farming, to the farming operation and give us some of the background, the history of it? Yeah. So IB Farming with myself now, we're on the second generation. It was actually my father-in-law that started that company back in 2006 we were fortunate enough to do pretty well with a San Joaquin fertilizer, and that afforded us the opportunity to buy some ground in the southern part of the San Joaquin Valley. So we bought a few hundred acres down there. We leased it actually for a few years while we were talking to other customers of ours on what would be the best thing to plant, what should we do. A couple different things were floated around, kind of came down to table grapes and almonds. And at the end of the day, we, we decided to make the decision to go with almonds, just because table grapes seemed a little too expensive, a little too labor intensive as well. And so we kind of liked the uh, mechanized part of almond farming and we got in at the right time and it was a really great decision and it's kind of led us to where we are now. So it's been a fun journey over the last 15 years or so to, to be on this side of it. And we've really had a lot of fun with it. Very cool. And, and when did you get involved with the operation? So 2009 um, is when I got involved. I got started with both companies back in 09. So was spinning a lot of plates back then and, and kind of learned the ropes and just gradually, you know, came into the role of where I am now running the day-to-day -day operations for things. Cool. And what was your background before that? Were you in agriculture before that or in fertilizer? No, I wasn't in fertilizer, but was in agriculture. So I went to Fresno State and got a degree in ag business and actually started off in ag finance. So I worked for Farm Credit West for several years and then um, 
kind of got a little jealous of the growers on the other side and wanted to get my boots a little dirtier and, and be out and, and be the one that was was working sun up to sundown. And so I made the leap back in 09 and haven't looked back. Very cool. Well, with the farming operation, how do you split your time? Is it kind of like, you know, San Joaquin fertilizer is your day job and then you're kind of farming uh, nights and weekends and seasonally certain things? Or how do you split up the two? I'm really fortunate because I think they kind of dovetail because, you know, working with San Joaquin fertilizer, you're out working with farmers and growers anyways. You're out driving around, you're checking on crops, you're checking in with people. Same thing you're doing in farming. So they really go hand in hand. And logistically speaking for me, all of our orchards are around our plant for San Joaquin fertilizer. So everything's right there. So it's really easy for me to balance them out. I'm out there in our trees every day. So it, it makes it really nice. It's kind of a good, good mixture between the two companies. And let's talk about the fertilizer business a little bit here. So you, you already kind of mentioned your day-to-day, you know, you're driving around, interacting a lot with customers. You know, your primary business there is, you said you had kind of some proprietary products. Let's go back to that and, and maybe set the scene for us on the fertilizer business. Okay, sure. Yeah. So like I was saying earlier in the introduction, we specialize mainly in crop fertility. So we distribute foliar fertilizers. NPK, which are your nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium fertilizers, and then all your micronutrients as well. Important things that we use as growers to supplement a nutrition program in our orchard. And we work with a lot of different crops too. And that's a really cool opportunity for me, even though I'm in the almond industry, it's nice to kind of pick the brain of other growers too. You know, we work with a lot of table grapes, tomatoes, melons, other, you know, almond and pistachio growers, citrus guys. So it's really cool to go out and talk to them and, and find some commonality on issues that we may all be facing. Then we work, you know, up and down the Central Valley too. So we get to work in different soil types, different irrigation districts. So it really, I think, adds to my knowledge as a farmer when I get to go out and talk to other guys and see things from a different perspective. But getting back to what we do at San Joaquin Fertilizer, so we distribute those foliar nutrients. And then we do have two products that we manufacture it's actually a microbial-based product. So it's um, a group of beneficial microorganisms. It's in a liquid form that you put out into your soil and uh, can help with, you know, stimulating new root growth, having a healthy soil out there, you know, fighting off any pests that may be showing up in your soil. And we've got an organic version and a conventional version of that product. So we hit things from both the ground and, the, and above the soil too and the plant tissue. Absolutely. And for anyone listening who hasn't been paying close attention to fertilizer prices, maybe can you set the scene for us a little bit on what's happening here right now in the fall of 2021? Yeah. So unfortunately, things are really starting to take off. I mean, it's like anything else. You know, there's supply chain issues with every single industry that we come across. But fertilizer in agriculture, we're really starting to feel the pinch. Things were, were gradually going up this year. But it seems like they've really almost exploded in the last few weeks or so. And, you know, guys are making some decisions, planning and budgeting for next year. Like I said, it's just like anything else. A lot of it's manufactured overseas. So it's shipped over here on boats. The boats are taking, you know, 60 days to be offloaded at the ports. Then once you offload it, we've got trucking issues. So then once you get it off the ship, you've got distribution issues. And that's all. It's extremely expensive, too. So everybody... You know, they've got to kind of get their pound of flesh along the way, too, and that adds up. And the final consumer, the grower in this case, is really feeling the pinch when it comes to those high prices. 
So we're just trying to figure out some ways to get crafty and maybe get around that for next year. And hopefully things will settle back down again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe could you talk a little bit more about that? You know, what types of options are on the table for almond growers who are looking at that price tag of fertilizer and what it's done in the past few months and saying like, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> what options are out there? So one of the things we've recently been looking at and having some discussions with growers is maybe bumping up our compost this year. So, you know, compost has a, a ton of great benefits for the soil, but it also is a source of nutrients as well. And it's got some nitrogen in it. And so we're actually looking at maybe bumping up the amount of compost that we put on and our customers are putting on and maybe supplement some of that nitrogen through the compost. Because as of right now, you know, nobody go and quote me on, on that right now, but those prices are, they're a little bit cheaper alternative to maybe some synthetic nitrogen sources that we typically put on. So right now you're just budgeting for next year. It's kind of a numbers game now for, for next season's budgets, but the winter time is when we put on your dry soil amendments. So your compost and your gyp and your sulfur. So now is the time to capitalize on that. If you are going to use some compost in order to supplement that nitrogen, now is the time to do it. So you will see a lot of growers that are out there and they're broadcasting and spreading those dry materials and soil amendments in their orchards. And compost in particular, like I said, it does a ton of great things. It can increase, you know, the soil characteristics and properties it can increase your, your water holding capacity, increases the organic matter in your soil, which is, you know, severely lacking here in the Central Valley. And then two, it's a great food source for beneficial microbes and bacteria and fungi in the soil. So a lot of good things going on. And when we're driving up and down Highway 99 and I-5, we might see a, a lot of it being spread this winter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you look back on the over a decade now that you've been in the fertilizer business, you know, specifically with almonds, what's changed? How are the conversations different that you're having today than maybe would have been 10 years ago? I really think the biggest thing that's changed is, you know, the sustainability and technology realm of agriculture. Those conversations of sustainability of, of how we, we efficiently manage and use our water, you know, what fertilizer products are we putting on? Are we putting on the right ones at the right time? How do we best optimize that? So one, we're getting the biggest bang for our buck on our crops, but two, how do we have less of an impact on the environment? With pest control too, you know, our PCAs, our pest control advisors, you know, they're out there, they're monitoring more for beneficial insects nowadays, you know, and before it might've been just come in and, and bombard the entire orchard and wipe everything out, but we're really being more mindful of, of what's out there, what beneficial insects might be out there, what pesticides can we use that are, you know, the least harsh materials out there? Like in our own operation, we always try to, to find the safest label we can when we can. Now, sure, there are outliers and times that call for using something a little more harsh, but we are more mindful of that and the environment. You know, and farmers are probably some of the best stewards of the land out of anybody. You know, that's where we grow our crops. It's where we raise our families. It's where we make our money. And I don't know any farmer out there that would really intentionally want to destroy any part of the environment because when you do that you're hurting your own livelihood and i think farming practices have changed recently and reflect that and it's been a really positive sign and i think it's only going to keep trending in that direction and when it comes to innovation with fertility specifically you know what are you excited about kind of going forward where do you see areas for innovation when it comes to crop fertility anything come to mind yeah sure there's there's plenty of uh, technologies out there 
you know, the aerial imaging has come a long way too in the decade plus that I've been in the industry. At first, you know, people were a little skeptical, myself included, but those guys are doing some incredible stuff now with aerial imaging. I mean, they're getting to the point now where they can pinpoint certain nutrient deficiencies in the canopy, you know, or toxicities where you've maybe applied too much. And that's really exciting too, because we can, again, getting back to, you know, getting the biggest bang for our buck and not being a detriment to the environment. If we can kind of use technology to dial in exactly what that tree or orchard needs and we're not wasting any material, then that's a win-win for everybody. And I think technology is going to you know, play a huge role in that. Kyle tested an innovative approach of his own as part of his project for the Almond Leadership Program. Usually a one-year commitment, the Almond Leadership Program was extended to two years for Kyle's group because of the pandemic. He says he was on the fence about applying for it for quite a long time, but now that things are wrapping up and he can look back on his experience, he's sure glad he did. It's an incredible program. So it's, you know, an industry leadership program that is put on by the Almond Board of California. And it's kind of a group of, you know, up and coming leaders in the industry, people that really want to be at the forefront of the almond industry. And it's that plus a great networking opportunity. You get to meet tons of like-minded people that maybe bring a different, you know, approach to what they're doing. They're going to be game changers. It's been really fun to get to know these people and watch, you know, how passionate they are about the industry. And it makes you feel pretty good about where we're heading. So what we get to do in the basis of it is to see every single aspect of the almond industry. So, you know, for somebody like myself, that's on the farming side of things. It's been a great opportunity to go see the sales and the marketing side, the processing side, all the regulatory work that goes on behind the scenes at the almond board that you really never know or hear about as a grower. And that's been awesome to see as a whole what goes into this industry and why we are, you know, a global crop that feeds many nations. It's really been incredible. That is cool. And, and how many are in the program and how many did you already know before you started? So I believe this year, off the top of my head, I want to say there was 17 of us this year. And before this, I probably knew maybe just a handful of people, uh, to be honest with you. I've gotten to know a lot more alumni over you know the two years that I've been doing this program. That's actually kind of what convinced me to do this program was speaking to some other participants because I was kind of on the fence about it. And they were the one that really convinced me to do it and that it was a great opportunity. And what was that selling point? Was it the people you'd get to meet or the lessons you'd learn or kind of what, what was the selling point that convinced you? It was really just the relationships that you build. Um, that was like the common thing that you would hear from everybody is just how close knit of a group it was in their programs, the relationships that they've built. And then they talked about some of the things that they learned and the trips that they took and the things they got to see. And uh, it kind of pulled the curtain back on the industry. And it was stuff that I had never thought about. It never crossed my mind on, you know, what's going on at the port or what's going on, you know, with regulations in the EU or India or, or things like that. And so, you know, in this industry or anywhere, building relationships and networking, it's extremely important. You know, you've got to expand your horizons and learn new things and meet new people. And so I figured, you know, this is my opportunity and I should take it and run with it. So that's what we did. Very cool. And I know a big part of it, it's usually a one-year program for, in your case, it was two years because of COVID, but a big part of it is this project. So maybe can you talk about your project, what exactly you did and kind of what you were looking at? 
Yeah. So my project, it was titled Conquering Bud Failure in Non-Pareil Almond Trees. So an issue that we see on one of our blocks that we've got, and we've seen it with other growers too, is a, an issue of bud failure. What happens is in the name, the buds fail to develop on the tree. So you've got a lot of kind of ugly looking trees, with a lot of blank spots on the branches and the stems. And that obviously leads to a decrease in yield as well. So what I tried to do, since it seemed to be getting worse, we thought maybe there's some type of infectious bud failure, because typically it's a genetic disorder from older plant propagation tissue. And since ours seemed to be getting worse, uh, we thought maybe there was an infectious type of it. So what I did was uh, over the last two growing seasons, I alternated between two different bactericide, fungicide products and uh, some micronutrients, and we foliar applied those to the trees with the fungicide and bactericide in order to stop that bud failure. And then the practice of putting the foliar nutrients in there was to stimulate some new growth and hopefully get you know, larger yields on those trees that might be failing to produce the, the crop that you're looking for. So it was really cool actually having two years to do that project because with essentially a science experiment like that, you can't really tell the tale in just one season. So it was a really unique opportunity for me to have two seasons of data back to back to see if what we were working on was going to be beneficial. So it was a pretty cool opportunity. Cool. And what, what did you find? So I found, unfortunately, I found that it didn't work out too hot, to be honest with you. We were able to increase the yields on the block that we treated, but it wasn't enough to justify the financial investment that we put into it, alternating those sprays throughout the growing season. So we were in the red, we were uh, under break even, but that's why you do those experiments. You know, sometimes when you don't get the answer you're looking for, that in itself can answer some questions for you. So that's why we do the work. Absolutely. And if you were to encourage someone else to kind of take on this problem and run with it from here, what would be the next steps to trying to figure out, you know, a way to combat this bud failure? So actually, I got some great feedback yesterday. Um, yesterday was the day where our leadership class presented our projects to the Almond Board. So I got some really great feedback from some of the people that were listening. And we did show some positive gains in yield year over year in this project. Like I said, it was below break even, but some of the things they suggested with was maybe to continue it because maybe if that trend is heading in the right direction, maybe if we were to hang on for another season or two, maybe we could overcome it. So maybe just have some some time to stick with it and then get a little bit more involved in the details of actually comparing like tissue analysis between the healthy trees and the bud failure trees. So that's something that I didn't do in this project. And I had a great suggestion yesterday that maybe we should do some more tissue sampling and, you know, study that analysis between the two trees to find out if there's a reason why, you know, maybe it's not picking up certain nutrients in the bud failure tree, or, you know, maybe it's extremely high, it's taking up too much. I don't know, but I didn't get that into the details in this project. And that would be a, another direction that you could go. So kind of opens up a rabbit hole a little bit when you get started on these projects. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and obviously, you were probably pretty focused on your own presentation yesterday, but are there any of your other classmates that you kind of got to learn about their project that you'd like to give a little shout out to here? Because I, I'm curious about kind of just to give us a sense of what some of the other projects we're looking at. You know what? All, all the projects were great. Everybody did a fantastic job. And what's cool about this group is we had a wide range of projects and I'd encourage everybody to go check them out when we're at the conference. We'll all be there uh, presenting our, our projects there. But 
you know, we had everything from, you know, a wine pairing with almonds. So you've got kind of the culinary side of things. You've got something more technical like mine. You've got another one that uh, was a project about advocacy and outreach. How do we as an industry come together and reach out and get our message across so that way, you know, we can kind of accomplish some things that uh, we need to get accomplished in order to ensure a bright future for this industry. You know, we had other outreach projects, rootstock projects. It was a ton of good stuff. So it was a really wide range stuff that I would never even think of, but um, people got really creative with it and did a great job and, and everybody's project turned out great. It's really cool. Very cool. If somebody were to approach you and say, okay, you know, it seems like you had a good experience, but uh, I don't know that it's for me. Why should I consider the Almond Leadership Program? What do you tell them? I would say that, you know, it's for anyone, you know, if you want to get a little out of your comfort zone, which I think is good for people, you know, it's good to get out of that comfort zone. It's good to, you know, work on it and kind of hone in on some of those leadership properties. And like I said earlier, it's always good for us as people to, to meet different people, learn new things, kind of broaden our horizons. And I would encourage everybody to do it for that reason alone, because anytime you're going to be involved in an industry, why not have as many connections as you can? Why not, you know, learn everything you possibly can because you never know when you're going to maybe need some help from that person or need some advice or remember, you know, those issues you learned about at the port, you know, maybe they're affecting your processor and you guys can work together on things like that. So for the learning ability and the networking abilities, uh, I would say it's worth its weight in gold. And I would encourage anybody in the almond industry to apply for the program and give it a shot, see what happens. And how old is too old? Is it for any age? Yeah, it, there are a lot of younger people in it, to be honest with you. That was one of my my issues. That's why I drug my feet for a little bit. I thought, oh, shoot, I'm too old for it. You know, this is for kids right out of college. And these are the real up and comers. But um, it's for all ages. It really is. And that's one of the things I learned from some of the alumni, too. You know, when I felt like I may be a little too old for the program, you know, some of the, the people in the past made me feel a lot better about that. So all ages, you know. You could be in the, on the regulatory side of things, the farming side of things, the chemical side of things. We have a little bit of everything in our group, and that's what made it so great. Thank you very much to Kyle McClintock for sharing his perspective on crop fertility and, of course, the Almond Leadership Program. If his experiences intrigued you about potentially either going through the program yourself or recommending it to someone else, the deadline to apply for the 2022 class is next week, December 10th. We've got some more details on that on today's ABC Update. Now, you heard Kyle describe how he waited years before applying for the program because he wasn't sure it was right for him. Almond Board Senior Manager of Industry Relations and Communications, Jenny Nicolau, describes who exactly the Almond Leadership Program is designed for. Anyone who's directly involved in the almond industry whether that's a grower, handler, banker, somebody on custom processing or custom harvesting, really any of those facets related to the industry and an individual that has a couple years under their belt. This program really isn't for somebody straight out of college. It's best when you have some exposure to the almond industry, but that you're still fairly fresh in your career. And I think it really brings the class together when everybody has a couple years of experience under their belt but they're not really the expert quite yet. 
If you decide to go ahead and apply and are admitted into this one-year program, you're in for a tremendous year full of learning and meeting new people and gaining access to new ideas that you can use for your own benefit and for the industry overall. It starts in January and concludes in December. Typically, we meet one to two times a month. So think one to two days of commitment every month, although we do try to take off harvest. There's a couple overnight trips. Um, and all events would happen during the middle of the week. So we really leave the weekends to your family. Um, and this is a time when we'll come together during the week um, and we'll offer seminars that feature almond board experts. We'll offer tours. We do a lot of self-discovery and team building and leadership development that's naturally and organically built into these seminars. The seminars really mirror the almond board program areas. So think one day for global market development. Think one day for research and innovation. Of course, we touch on regulatory topics, almond quality and food safety. We really try to make sure that this program offers a wide range of topics so that any participant who goes through it walks away understanding the vast reach of the almond industry and really understands the Almond Board of California's impact in serving the industry. You heard from Kyle earlier many of the benefits that he got from the program, but like all good things, it does require some commitment. The participants who are accepted into the program, there's a pretty rigorous application interview process. Um, so we really do take the cream of the crop and part of our agreement at the start of the program includes the employer signing off on the participant going through this program. So it is understood there is a time commitment. There's a couple of extra special requests that take time throughout the year, like the special project that you work on on your own time. Um, and there's a job shadow component as well. So it's important that the employer is aware of the participant when they sign up and apply for the program. And it's really important that the employer understands there's a time commitment. If you're convinced that the Almond Leadership Program is a good fit for you or maybe somebody else you know, you're going to need to act right away. The deadline to apply for the 2022 class again is next Friday, December 10th at 5 p.m. And that's only about a week after this podcast episode will be published. If you're listening after that time, applications open up every fall, so make sure you're watching out for those next year. For more information for this year or future years, visit almonds.com forward slash almond leadership program. Almonds.com forward slash almond leadership program. And we'll also include a link for that in the show notes of today's episode. Now, you might be saying Friday, December 10th. I think I had something else going on that week. And that's right, because it's the day after the Almond Conference. That's happening next week, December 7th through 9th, in person at the newly renovated Safe Credit Union Convention Center. If you're listening to this before that time, go immediately to almonds.com forward slash conference to register or just show up. And I look forward to seeing you there in Sacramento. We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone has a story of their own, of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of these industry leaders, people like Kyle McClintock, may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. That's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to others in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.